Cool. All right, everybody. Good afternoon. This is John Barrows with Make It Happen Monday. Hopefully, everybody's having a fantastic day today and ready to kick off Monday strong and also had a fantastic weekend. I had a great weekend because my Bruins and Celtics won, and they are uh, pretty deep into the playoffs right now, so I'm pretty happy about that. But Steve, I want to introduce Steve. I'm, I'm really excited here to have Steve on with us. Um, Steve is the CTO at Nudge, and uh, Steve, could you give the team a little bit of background or people who are listening a little bit of background here about where you're coming from and then what you're doing at Nudge and what Nudge is all about? Sure, glad to. Thanks for, thanks for having me, John. It's exciting to be here. So uh, my background... Uh, been in the general revenue space for a while. The, the first startup I did was a, a company called Eloqua in the marketing automation space. Um, really took marketing as part of that journey from sort of an arts and craft discipline in, in sort of the late 90s, early 2000s to the marketing automation driven MQL funnel analytics data process um, discipline that it is today and, and Eloqua and, and a few other uh, players in the marketing automation space were, were sort of the big foundational pillars there. So I, I learned a lot um, in that in, in terms of how buyers think and, and the early stages of the journey. Nudge, which um, my some of my founding team um, came over uh, to uh, help start Nudge with me, we're looking at the sales space and, and see a, a similar opportunity in sales to really think, okay, what's, what's the big picture of what's going on in sales right now and, and how can we play a small part in, in, a, in a transition that might happen. And one of the big pieces there, which I know you and I have chatted a lot about, is that relationships are absolutely core to getting deals done, getting into new relationships, growing the trust, building those relationships, staying in touch, understanding what, what web of relationships you and the team has. But historically, they've been very, very hard to measure. You can't really measure them in, in CRM. You'd have to sort of do a lot of fancy footwork there. And the connection tools like LinkedIn don't give you the key piece, which is how strong is the relationship. Mm -hmm. So with, with Nudge, we dove in and said, okay, let's, let's measure the relationship. And then through that, help salespeople build relationships and access them and help sales leaders measure and understand what their team is doing by, by wrapping analytics around that, that core piece, which is the relationship. I love it, man. And and actually, from your perspective, because I, I think we're in a similar position in the sales tool world as we were in the marketing tool world, kind of around the time Eloqua got purchased, right? Because, you know, there's typically, hey, we've, there's a market and there's a whole bunch of players and then they elevate to maybe three, four, five, and then there's the acquisition from the, from the big team. Where do you see us right now? I mean, I know we're going to be talking about, you know, staying in touch with people and, and how to engage in longer sales cycles and stay relevant. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious on my own perspective, like where do you see this, this sales tool market right now as it matures? Are we, are we at the beginning stages of it, the middle kind of, are we looking at the consolidation phase over the next year or two? Like what kind of, what's your view on that right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're, um, in, in an exploration phase, I, I think sales has sort of moved from this is something that I'm going to do intuitively as a salesperson and there's no measurement, there's no tools, there's nothing involved. We're, we're out of that phase. There's a lot of tooling being explored. Uh, the reason that, what I, that, that I don't say that we've moved out of the exploration phase is I, I don't think we've really landed on this is an approach that is going to stand the test of time. Right. Like if you, if you look as an example, we, we explored sort of this, this kind of automation phase there, just 
you know, hammer out the, did you get my email? Did you get my email? Just wanted to follow up. And you know, it, it worked for a bit yeah. and then kind of collapsed on itself because it kind of assumed that every buyer was a buyer who had never seen that type of tooling before. Right. You know, the first time you send those works great. The 138,000th time you send those, eh, not so good. Yeah. Um, so I think break up email, that, right? One, two, or three stuck under a rock thing, right? Yeah, zombies and skeletons and rocks. It turns yeah. out people have seen those tricks before. Yeah. Um, so, so I think you know, great exploration and, and a lot of really good learnings from the teams that we built and the measurements that we put in place with, with exploring any of those tools. I don't think that the space in general has said, okay, you want to run B2B sales? This is a process approach and tech stack that is going to stand the test of time and will be as relevant in five years as it is today. I don't think we're there. I think we're exploring. I think there's a lot of great tools and great ideas that are coming together in unique ways. Um, but I don't think it's quite landed on this is the answer. Do you think we'll get there? Like, because I, and I'm sorry, the reason I ask is because I think marketing, there's a certain playbook that you can play with marketing, right? And, and you know, I think they're moving towards account-based marketing, you know, those type of things are fine. And there's there's kind of some standard things. Do you think that sales, this, that, you know, with where we are with all these different AI and, and how fast things are evolving, do you think we're ever going to get to that point where, there is kind of a standard best practice approach that will last more than six months to a year? I'm going to go with yes. Okay. And, and I think that's probably a controversial answer, but, but I think if you, if you come at it from a perspective of what observations about the market will remain true over the long term, yeah. you, can, you can get there. So what I mean by that is one of, one of the big drivers of, of all the dynamics that's going on in marketing and sales is the buyers are running their own process. They get their own information, they form their own opinions. Um, we can assume that that will continue, right? Throw that out there as assumption one, buyers will run their own process to the utmost of their ability. They don't, yeah. they don't seek out salespeople. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the, the point that is also true is good sellers should have a perspective advantage over buyers. If you know the things that you're selling, mm -hmm. then it should be something where it's advantageous for me to talk to you and get a perspective and insights how my business, which I might know best, can be affected by your solution, which you know best, yep. and we have a melt, meld of the minds and come up with a perspective that I didn't as a buyer have before that. There, there should always be that knowledge advantage there. So if you if you say, okay, for the long term, Sales is all about guiding buyers down a buying journey, mm -hmm. but that guiding can be something that we can really um, rely on and invest in and double down on, which is understand the journey and apply knowledge and perspective to say, hey, here's a, here's a new way of thinking about it. Here's an idea. Here's where you might go next. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I say that all the time. I, I... <laughs> I fundamentally believe that our job in sales has changed so drastically from the day, and I talk pre and post internet, right? Uh, like pre-internet, it was absolutely 100% our job to educate on features, functions, speeds, and feeds, and that type of stuff, because we were the only ones that had the information, right? Yeah. So the buyer didn't even know that this was an option for them. Now, everything's a Google search away. So, and this kind of translates to our conversation here, which is I, I firmly believe it's our job to not to pitch them on anything or, or try to sell them, but is to get them to think. 
because my, my belief right now is, and I say this all the time, if you are comfortable with where you are right now, I don't care if you're, what job you're in, what role you have, what industry you're in, if you are comfortable with where you are, I'm worried for you because there's going to be an app that comes out tomorrow. There's going to be a technology that happens that either erases an industry or makes a job irrelevant or whatever. And if we're not paying attention, even if you're okay right now saying, look, status quo right now, I'm good. I got other things going on. If I can nurture that, like get you, you know, throw something out there that gets you to pause for a second and go, huh, maybe, and then nurture it the right way. Now, all of a sudden, when that does come up to the top, you're the one I'm re, you know, you're coming to me instead of me pushing on you. Right. Absolutely. You've, cause what you've done there is you've, you've taken an understanding of a rally. You've gotten into someone's head and said, I bet you this is kind of what you're feeling right now, what you're, what you're observing. And you've introduced something that wasn't there before. Here's a, here's a new way of thinking about the world. Maybe not a good way, maybe not a comfortable way. Here's a new way of thinking about the world. And it's not a pitch. It's not a, hey, buy my, buy my widget. It's a, it's a pitch of an idea. Hey, think about the world this way. And that thrown out there, value added, allows that sort of nugget of building of trust. You know, yep. when, when that moment comes up where it's like, huh, that, that John Barrows guy was, was right. It was a little uncomfortable, but he kind of made a point and it's good. Okay, what else does he have to say? What else is going on? And how can, we, how can I surround myself with people that think ahead of where I am on this particular dimension? And so we're talking effectively challenger sale, right? Because that's a lot of what challenger sale is built on their their whole you know mock approach of lead with insights that type of thing. But the thing I've always found a little bit challenging with challenger sale is that challenger sale tends to pull it all back to how I can help you do that, right? So it's like, hey, here's an interesting article. Let me share with you how we've helped our customers address that challenge, right? So that's the way. I don't believe that we always have to tie it back to us. I believe that we can share insights with people to get them to think that literally have almost nothing to do with us, but really put us in the position. And I guess my question for you is this, is how do you do that in a in a genuine way without being the sales rep that's just obviously trying to share stuff that's, you know, I, I get a lot of stuff that people share with me that's kind of like the duh factor. It's like, okay, you know, that's about as fucking obvious as it gets there. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to show value and that type of stuff, but it's almost comes across as disingenuous because it's so duh. It's like the old school days of going into somebody's office and looking at their picture on their desk. Oh, so you're a fisherman. Oh, I fish too. You know, that type of shit. And, yeah. and so how do you do it in an authentic way that, that, sh- that really does show value? Because I, I always worry about, you know, sharing something with somebody and having you look at, because it's almost, it, it almost could be worse if you don't share at all, right? If I share something with you that's just so stupid or, or shows my lack of intelligence around what your real interests are, and I know that's a lot of what Nudge is all about is really understanding what those people's social footprint is and what they're trying to do, but how do you do it in a genuine way? Yeah, no, and I think you you have hit on a fascinating challenge, which you know if I can if I can kind of come at that answer through this interesting combination of humanity and AI, it, it opens up an interesting um, area of dialogue, which is to say that the the duh factor is is out there, right? There are a ton of facts about you know, hey John, you like sales? Let's <laughs> talk about sales. Like, yeah. You know, I, have, I haven't moved our relationship forward. I've moved it backwards. I've yeah. moved into the bucket as, of kind of an idiot. Um, so the, the way to think about sort of splitting the effect of AI on the sales world and the 
tasks that we as humans still have remaining is around the duh factor. So AI is phenomenally good at repetitive tasks, looking into every single person and organization you're trying to sell to and saying, here's a brief. Here's a brief on this person. Here's a brief on another person there. Here's a brief on um, the, the company that you're selling to. Here are a lot of facts and potential insights. You're the human. You figure out what is going to connect. If I say, hey, John, you like sales. I like sales too. The AI wasn't wrong. Right. The human was wrong. Right. But if I, if I say, hey, John, you're at the forefront of um, – of, of, of research into what the next B2B sales environment is gonna look like for the next five years. And there's this really interesting study here that had a data point that's completely counterintuitive. Um, it's just this niche niche paper. I thought you might like that. Okay, well, well maybe you would. You know, I can, I can see that. And I can put that together as a human and say, this might work for this particular person. I can get inside your head. And I think that's what the best salespeople are going to do. They're going to take a, a broader brief and turn it into the so what that is going to match that human need for, for that right level of uh, depth and non-obviousness. I like it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I got a whole talk track around this. I think we chatted about beforehand, which is, you know, and I stole it from Gary V. And I'm actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm developing a, a whole keynote speech around this for, you know, that half hour kickoff keynote. And, uh, and I just did a presentation around it as well. And the whole concept of context versus content. Right. And, and, you know, Gary talks, everybody talks about content is king, content is king. He's like, fine, if content is king, then context is God. And that to me is marketing versus sales, right? Marketing is content, sales is context. And, and that's where I believe AI is, right? And you've heard me say this, where it's, I believe AI is going to make good sales reps great, great sales reps incredible, and average sales reps are relevant. Yep. Right. So, so I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk pre and post conversation here. Like, so say there's, I'm prospecting into you and then, the, so how do I, how do I engage with you at that level without being overly annoying and, and, and disingenuous? But then once we engage, how do I, you know, kind of the, the main topic of here is how do you manage that complex deal cycle and staying engaged without being, you know, touching base and checking in. So, but let's talk about prior to, Okay. Um, there's obviously the, hey, I'm calling you because this, that, that trigger happened, right? You said, holy crap, I'm hiring a whole bunch of sales reps. I need sales training right now. And, you know, you tweeted about it or whatever. And I picked up on that and said, hey, what's up? We got to talk, right? Um, but how do you know, what's your approach on the prospecting side of layering in these kind of nuggets of information in and out of your calls and your emails and those type of things? So say, say somebody was prospecting to you, Okay. And they were trying to sell you whatever it was, um, you know, something again that wasn't top of mind for you, but okay, it might be something in the future you'd be looking at. How would they engage with you at a level that you would see as valuable being the CTO of, you know, of Nudge, right? I mean, a company who's on the radar for, of a lot of people, you know, fast growing, your background probably dictates a lot of people are looking at you right now. So I'm assuming you get prospected to a lot. What is that prospecting effort that gets your attention these days that includes those sharing of insights? Like, do you have an example recently of a rep that shared with you something that got you to pay attention and stop and think? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, the, the key point really is that, is that guiding, right? Like, you know, you go back to, you're, you're taking the tour of the Mayan ruins down in Mexico and 
the guide's not the one that's pointing out the regular path, right? There's there's right. signage that points out the regular path, go up here, go up there. The guide's the one that points out the tiny little rock and says, hey, you see that thing with the sun on it that's a little rock on the side? Here's a story around that. Here's here's why, you know, when you're here and you see and the sun happens, here's something fascinatingly interesting. You're like, oh, I would have walked right past that rock. And, and that, to me, is really where salespeople have to land. You've got to work with the organization to say, okay, here's the main path. Here's what everyone's going to go down in terms of discovering the thing that is that, that, that we're doing, but give us those moments there where we can identify that the buyer is at this phase of their journey and help us encapsulate the story around the tiny little rock. Got help it. us when, when they're at this point in their journey, their mindset is going to be here. Their knowledge level is going to be there. What is the one thing that I can just put in front of you and say, hey, John, look at the tiny little rock. You know, you're, you're going to want to think this, this, and this. Go ahead with the journey. Enjoy the journey. It's great. Good to see you on the journey. Um, I'll see you at the next tiny little rock. But for now, look over to the side of the road and understand the history here. And I think that, you know, when that comes down to tangible, um, tangible reality, that can be anything from you're in a trial and, hey, given your background, you're probably going to want to go into settings and turn this thing on. Oh, I didn't know there was a thing. Okay, great. I'll do that. Or, um, you know, it looks like you've had some struggles in this area. There, there's actually a really interesting webinar that looks at that area in, in a lot of depth. It's 15 minutes. You might want to dive in on that. It's, it's navigating that path, which is really two parts. Understand deeply where the person is on their path mm -hmm. and be able to have those little nuggets that make them more successful and, and more enjoyable on that path. So on, so let's define path, right? Because yeah. we talked earlier about how sometimes they're not even on the path, right? Because they don't even know what they don't know. And this is something for them. Other times they've kind of identified this as an issue and they're moving down that path in a pretty systematic way for their, from their standpoint, we interject. So what about those? So is that the path that you're talking about? Like the path to uh, a solution for a problem or the path of their business? The path to a solution for a problem. Okay. So, you know, if you're in a business where nobody is engaging in the journey of understanding what it is that you do and how it might help, it, you know, you've got a product market fit problem, right? right? Like, okay, well, what do you solve for who? Right. And if you solve something for somebody, then the next step is understanding how many of those somebodies are where on that journey. Right. And the journey is different for every business. Some of them, it's a lot of, you know, reading and, and sort of the literature-based journey where they're, they're, you know, reading white papers on the theory behind what you do. Some of it, it's very um, trial-based. They're getting their feet wet in, in sort of a kind of a one-person version and then a small version of the widget, whatever it is. You know, the journey is unique per business, mm -hmm. but you, you've got to assume that people are on that journey or you've got a product market fit challenge that, you know, I think most salespeople would really struggle to, to resolve. Yeah. Um, but if they're on the journey, understand where they are and figure out how you can add value to that journey. Gotcha. Is there any way you can, you know, what are your, what's your, cause I, I, I get this question a lot from sales reps who at least position, who at least think, and I think this is a bad mentality to have. Um, uh, but a lot of times it's been beaten into them, right? They're a, they're a like to have, not a must have. Yeah. 
<clears throat> you know, how do you transition that from a, you know, a like to the, the ment- I think from a sales rep standpoint, there's some things that we could talk about, but how do, what are some tactical ways that you've been able to figure out or, or some suggestions that you can have based on what you've been doing these days of how you can get a rep to get somebody to cross that chasm to say, you know what, it's not just a like to have, this is something I really should be considering. It might not be, a, it, you know, I think, uh, I forget who talks about it, but it's like there's water, air, there's air, water, food or something like that. Like air, we all have to have or else we don't, we die in a minute, right? Water, if you don't have it for, a, you know, a couple of days, you'll die in a couple of days. Food, you can last four or five days without food, right? So, so it might not be air, but how do you make, how do you make a, a food, which is kind of a like to have in some cases to a must have like water? Is there ways that you've been able to see reps as they nurture relationships, be able to make that transition to a client? Yeah. So I'd say there's, there's sort of the, the short way and the the long way. Um, The short way is really storytelling, right? And, and, you know, you can talk about this a lot. Like if, if you want somebody to see things in a different emotional landscape, which is what we're talking about, right? The, the emotion of, oh my God, I've got to have that versus, eh, it's interesting. It's kind of, mm-hmm. sure, maybe later. Um, that is storytelling. That is understanding what emotional hooks are going to get you inside that person's head. That is having them identify with the characters in the story. And the story is probably going to be about customers that have had that pain. So, so that's the short way. And that's, you know, that's a skill set and that's, that's challenging, but possible. The, the long way, I'm reminded of sort of, um, and, I, and I hate to pick on millennials because we've all done that, but you, you know, you interact with anyone in a younger generation. This has been true for every single generation. So it's just that I happen to be of this age. I'm not saying millennials are particularly unique in this capacity. Yeah. I'm sure my generation was too. But you know, you're, you're giving advice from this perspective of having made the mistake before and saying, you know, don't go down the hallway. Don't, no, don't go down. This is going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. If you go, don't go down the hall. You went down the hallway. Yeah. And this happened, didn't it? Yeah. yeah it's happened, right? Some of those experiences of realizing that this thing is, is important to you as water. It's very difficult to see in advance until that great educator of experience taps you on the shoulder and says, you need to consider this. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that comes down to short cycle versus long cycle in a sales deal. Are you going to have to put the don't go down the hallway cues in front of the person and have them make the mistake and then come back to you and say, you know what, you were, you were totally right. I'm sorry, I should have listened. Okay, great. Or can you tell a story and get them to say, you know what, you're right. That hallway is a little darker looking than I would have thought. Good point. I like it. Yeah, it's funny because I'm so with Morgan, right? I hired him and he's and he's he was an SDR and an SDR manager, so he's never closed deals. And what was funny is like and and I got him on a slow ramp, right? But I got to teach him how to close while going out and delivering whatever. And he got a whole bunch of deals into his pipeline um, because we went I, we wanted some short-term wins, right? So I had him talk to SDR managers because he could speak that language. Yep. And, and it was great. He got these awesome conversations and I knew what was going to happen. SDR managers are not power. You know what I mean? Like they're not, usually they're not the decision makers, the ones who can have the budget, those type of things. So they always have to go ask for budget. And usually they're 24, five, six-year-old kids who don't have a lot of business experience presenting a business case to a VP of sales to say, hey, I need some money for this, even though it wasn't in the budget. And so he got a whole bunch of deals that were stuck in his pipeline. 
and we analyzed them. And then one common theme was, and I told him earlier, but I didn't really emphasize it enough. I said, power is the key. If you don't get to power, the likelihood of your deal, you know, someone in, at least engage with that person at some shape or form, you know, early on so that you have a tie to them. Right. And sure as shit, a bunch of his deals stuck in the pipeline. And we looked at all of them and there was like, yep, there it is. There it is. It's not, no power, no power. No. Now the ones that did close power, 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 power. So it's like that experience level to a certain degree. And again, with a kid, I don't know. Do you have kids? I do. They're, they're, they're only eight and six. So <laughs> I say, well, so I have my daughter seven and it's, and it's, that tough part about being a parent of being like, Oh, don't do that. Cause I know if you do that, that versus you kind of have to experience that. You know what I mean? It, it's like the whole yeah. touch the stove, right? Do you let the kid touch the stove and burn their hand and hold say, Holy shit, that thing's hot. I'll never do that again. Or do you just tell them don't touch the stove cause you'll burn your hand. And it's, yeah. Yeah. and I think that's sort of, you know, it's this interesting thing, which is, you're, you're limited by language, right? Like in your head, you're like, here, this is clear as day. I can look at what's going on in front of me. I can see the patterns, but then you have to articulate, okay, the pow- power is key and don't touch the stove, right. which they're not untrue, right? but they don't capture what's going on in your head and the emotions and the, you know, the feeling of the, the finger on the, on the element on the stove. You, you can't put that in language. And, and even when you go through the learnings, you're like, okay, why did I miss that learning? How would I articulate that? You're like, I would say, don't touch the stove. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. come up with anything better. Right. Just, you're limited by the medium that we use, which is language. Absolutely. All right, so we have a few minutes left. I wanted to dive in a little bit more on the, on the latter stages. So now that we have somebody, right? And again, I'm going to use Morgan as an example here, but this happens to all of us. Hey, you know what? This sounds great. Why don't you touch base in Q3? Because we got too many things going on right now. How does that rep stay connected to that person, top of mind with that person, without touching base and checking in, which is my two least favorite phrases in sales, and also without being the, you know, the, the typical sales rep that calls up, you told me to call you in three months, it's now three months, Where you know, what's going on? And getting the, uh, you know what, call me in another three months. So, so what can reps do to stay relevant uh, and, and top of mind without being annoying in that stretch if they can't accelerate it sooner, obviously? Yeah, so, so I'm gonna do two things, which is tease apart top of mind and relevance. Yep. So the, you've gotta do both, right? You've gotta remain relevant, you've also gotta remain top of mind. I think a lot of people try and conflate those, which is to say the only thing that we can talk about once we've had a conversation is the business at hand. Okay, well now you're just kind of a boring one-dimensional um, flack, but right. you know, so why not introduce some of the other topics, you know, the, the, the sports teams and the, the hobbies and the family and things like that, you know, yep. add more dimensionality to it. And that's the world that we're in, right? You see people's accomplishments, you see what they're doing, you see, you know, what they're sharing in social media, getting in there and cheering that and engaging on that and, and being a fan of that keeps you top of mind. It does not keep you relevant, right. but it keeps you top of mind. Mm-hmm. And through that, you're able to, um, you're able to, um, be somebody that they're familiar with. You're able to be somebody that they, you know, they, they know, they recognize your name. Um, and then it gives you this opportunity to do the other side, which is to re- remain relevant. Finding their journey, their company's journey, the industry's journey, and mapping that back to what might be interesting for them. Finding those little nuggets and saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to ask for a 30-minute meeting. I'm trying to send you something that is interesting. Yeah. And the success metric is 
hey, if you send it back and say, cool, that was interesting, boom, I've done my job. I'm not going to flip that around and be like, oh, you thought that was interesting? Why don't we get on the phone for 30 minutes? No, no, no. I'm okay with that. I know that if I can keep that relationship alive, when it is time, you might come back to me. Yeah, I love that. And that's why, you know, some some tactical things for, for people listening. It's That's why I used to use funding, for instance, as a reason to reach out to you. I don't use funding anymore because God help that person that's on that list that like once that hits crunch base, it's 8 million sales reps reaching out. Hey, so I got a bunch of money. Let me show you how to spend it. Right. But what I do do is I use funding as a reason to let you know I'm paying attention. So what I would do is say you guys got funding. It's like, Hey Steve, saw you got some funding. Congrats. Hopefully that means something good for you personally and professionally. Yeah. And that's it. No, let's talk about it. No, nothing like that. Or, you know, if I saw you were quoted or you got an award, awards are another great thing. Hey, congrats on that award. I've been keeping myself updated on you. Hopefully things are going well. Yeah. And then you can sprinkle in like now is a good time for me. Like if somebody, uh, if somebody's trying to stay on my radar, uh, Bruins and Celtics are in the playoffs, right? And, And they just had a great weekend. So if you wanted to ping me today or even last night and be like, hey, John, or Saturday night, hey, John, great win by the Bruins, great win by the Celtics, second round, you know, that type of stuff. Like it's a, it's a point of like, okay, that, that kid paying attention. No, that's not a value add thing, but that's a top of mind thing. Like, cause I like the way you put that, you separated those right top of mind versus um, what was the top of mind versus relevance. Relevance. I love those. Okay. And, and I would say, I mean, the, the wonderful thing there is slam the door, make it really abundantly obvious that you don't want the 30 minute meeting. Cause right. as a buyer, you're like, Oh crap. This person's like, they're really kind of angling for a meeting. And if I reply, it's a trap. Like yep. if you're like, Hey, awesome. Just want to, you know, I do not want a meeting with you. I'm yeah. not asking that at all. It's not, not even implied. Awesome job. Yeah. And that's it. And then you might get a reply saying, cool. Thanks man. Hope you're well. My last question. I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing this right. Cause this is the way I do this. I stay relevant in two more minutes and then we'll get off. Um, is, um, is I actually ask people in the qualification phase, like, where are they on certain things, right? So for instance, like, hey, where are you on social selling and where are you on artificial intelligence? And if you tell me, oh yeah, John, social selling is top of my list, artificial intelligence is top of my list. What I go do is I go listen for artificial intelligence and social selling type articles, like on Feedly, that type of stuff. And then I, I track you in Salesforce that says, Hey, this your Steve cares about artificial intelligence and social selling. And so when I read a cool article about that, that I get some value out of, I run that list and then I share it out with, Hey, and I run a, a report that says, Hey, who's in, who's in my VPs of sales and my tier one industries that care about social selling and share that article. Is that something that you recommend? And, and is that something that obviously nudge, nudge can help out with? Absolutely. On both of those. Yeah. The, the, this comes right back to our starting commentation, our commentary around the duh factor, right? right? Do that, do the research, but think, who is this person? And are they, you know, do they have a PhD in AI? And are you sending them an article that says this AI thing might be big? Yeah. Not any points, right? yeah. but, but if you can, if you can do the research, do the relevance and use your humanity to apply the duh factor, then that's a golden strategy. And that's why I think the last comment I'll make is that's why where social selling flipped for me is when I started looking at it as educating myself first. And then when I learned something, that's when I shared it out. That's, that's where it started. I, beca- I became much more genuine with my approach. Absolutely. So with that, Steve, last words, uh, where can people find out more about you, more about Nudge, and, um, and how can we stay on top of what you guys are doing these days? Because I know you're doing some really cool shit. 
nudge.ai is the the place to go there's a, a free trial of premium product we can uh, educate you anything further than that um connect with me on on all the social platforms and uh glad to join any conversations Thank awesome you no thanks for coming on steve i think we could probably extend this for another hour you and i but uh let's maybe do that for another day all right so thanks so much for coming on and thanks everybody for listening y'all have a great day and make it happen